Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Good morning and welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord on a special Sunday for us as we worship the Lord and celebrate today. It's just glad that that you are here to worship and celebrate with us. Uh, so want to just grab your bulletin this morning. If you're a guest with us, we have several guests. Some may not necessarily be guests, just returning guests. And we do have some uh, former staff and um, Susan's family and friends that are with us today. And so we're glad you're here. But if you're visiting with us for the first time or if you want to take the opportunity to fill out that uh, tab that's on the side of your bulletin there. Just let us know a little information about who you are and give us the chance to contact you and share with you who we are. We would love to do that. Also on the back of that is a prayer request form that you can share with us any requests or needs that you have or that you know about near you. Uh, we would love to be able to pray for your friends and family and uh, neighbors as well. So um, fill that out. Drop that in the offering plate. Also, hopefully maybe near you is a care slip. If you could fill out that care slip and that will go to our care ministry and we will be able to minister to those that you know are in need um, of some ministry. You see a lot of things that are going on this week on the back of your bulletin. So I encourage you to see that. Just want to make note that there will be no evening services today, but we do have uh, a committee meeting this afternoon. If you serve on our youth committee, we'll meet today at 5 o'clock. So just be mindful of that today at 5. If you signed up to go on the BMW tour, you're going to get a phone call this week. We're going to have to change the date for that. They were booked up on the day that we were going to try to go there in March. So we're going to change that. We're going to call you this week and let you know about that. So be listening for that. Um, there is a group of ladies who have been meeting in the LEC on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. to exercise. So if you would, uh, if, ladies, if you are interested in that, meet in the LEC on Thursday at 7, and you can enjoy that time together. Had a wonderful meeting last night with our adult, our adult fellowship, young adult, median adult fellowship, and we are glad that um, for those that came and shared and discussed, and it was just a really great time. You're going to be hearing more about that in the future, some activities that they're wanting to do and some things that they're wanting to be a part of ministry-wise. So just continue to be in prayer for, for this group and for uh, those that are wanting to take leadership roles within that group. So we're, we're thankful for that. I do want to just say a word of thanks to Jim. Jim put a lot of work into making sure that last night took place and Harry McKee and some of our deacons took uh, time to cook and to clean up. So we're grateful for all those that contributed to last evening's time. At this time, I want to recognize Tommy Hackett, who is the chair of our uh, personnel committee. Today is a day of special recognition. On my right is a young lady sitting on the front row, Ms. Susan Guffey. She's been with us as a financial secretary for over 34 years, not much longer than she is old. Okay? <laughs> I want to, Wesley already mentioned it, but I want to welcome the past preachers, staff, friends, and former church members that are coming to help celebrate. And of course, in your bulletin, you'll notice that when it's all over, we get to eat. 
so hang around for that. The 1980s were special. Today is a Daytona 500 race in Florida. In 1980, it was won by Buck Baker out of Charlotte. Of course, we had the Mount St. Helens exploded that year, too. But also, there was a miracle on ice when the U.S. hockey team beat the Russians 4-3. to There was another thing that happened. Steve Garvey with the Los Angeles Dodgers hit the 7,000th Dodger home run. I've got a baseball with his name on it. My son's got it. But I do have a baseball that a couple of his teammates signed. Well, you know, that was a home run. But in 1980, on October the 1st, this church hit a home run. And that's when you selected Susan to be the financial secretary. I now recognize Barbara Green to come up. Well, I don't know anything about these home runs or the hockey team. I think I did hear that on the news this morning. <clears throat> but I do know some other things. In 1980, I was a member of the personnel committee when Susan was hired. Well, again now, in 2015, I'm a member of the personnel committee. When Tom read her letter <clears throat> several months ago, her letter of retirement, I went to her immediately and I said, Susan, I know there's a law somewhere that says if you were on the personnel committee when you were hired, you cannot resign if that same person is on the personnel committee now. <clears throat> well, she paid me no attention, so here we are. So we are here to honor Susan. And Susan, I've, I've penned a few words that I want to share. And I told Susan she had to sit on the front row, and oh, she didn't want to do that. And I told her we're putting on the Ritz today. Oh, she didn't want any part of that. But I hope we are putting on the Ritz because she deserves it. But Susan, I did write a few words. Susan Guffey's retirement, February 22, 2015, Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Preachers have come and preachers have gone. Ministers of music have come and ministers of music have gone. Ministers of education have come and ministers of education have gone. The one constant over these 34 years has been Susan Guffey. She has seen children grow up in this church, accept Christ, be baptized, get married, become parents, and dedicate their babies. Susan has shared, shared in our happiness over these years. She has been here when we have shed tears. She has encouraged us, us listened to us, laughed with us till we were about to bust. She knows the members and much about us, some of it good, some of it bad. But confidentiality has always been a must. As you enter this new phase of life, in many ways may it be filled with spice. You will now have time for your barn painting experiment after a long career with such commitment. Words are inadequate to express our gratitude for your faithfulness, love, and attitude. But we're making a stab at it with a couple of gifts. 
Each time you look at these or use them, may you always get a lift. We don't know how the years so quickly went, but go, Susan Rom Guffey, congratulations, and enjoy your retirement. This was written by me to be read today. So now, over the years, we've learned a few things about Susan. We know a couple of things she really likes. And we're about to present you with a couple of gifts that are in that light category. So Susan, come on up. that Susan is a lover of quilts. This is a quilt that I hope all of you will sign. A few of us have already done that, but we want everybody in this sanctuary to sign it. It will move to the LEC, will be on a table, there are pens, there are scraps of fabric if you want to practice. But I want to read what it says on the back. <clears throat> Susan's retirement quilt. In appreciation of her 34 years of service to Boiling Springs Baptist Church, this quilt is presented to Susan Guffey on retirement, October 1st, 1980, February 28th, 2015, made by Barbara Green, number 171, January 2015. So, Susan, this is your quilt. Thank you. <laughs> Just fold it any way you want to. Okay. You can go right here on the quilt. Right? It's going to move to the LEC. Okay, the second gift, we'll have an unveiling for the second gift. So, Susan, if you'll stand right over here. We happen to know another thing that Susan likes, and Roger, you can unveil that now, is pottery. This is a three-piece uh, pottery lantern set made by our own Susan Klein Valentine. She is the daughter of Miss Georgia Klein, the late P.A. Klein, sister of Malcolm. And uh, she grew up in this church. Many of us remember her fondly. So Susan, that is yours. We know that you like these two things. In addition, Susan will receive a love offering. If you have not had an opportunity to do that, we encourage you to do that today or within the next couple of days. There's also a basket in the LEC that you can drop your cards in. So I hope you've come prepared to do that. So Susan, on behalf of the Personnel Committee, Boiling Springs Baptist Church, we thank you for your faithful service. We love you and hope you enjoy these gifts. Thank you so much. say anything, but um, I'm sort of overwhelmed. Uh, I did say, um, I will say that I love this church most of the time. <laughs> I love all the people, most of you. <laughs> but no, I do. I love this church. I love the heart of this church, and I've been proud to serve. Uh, 
I did tell someone that I'd never get to retire till a certain place froze over. And I did see uh, on the news this week that uh, hell, Arizona froze over. <laughs> so it's a sign. So anyway, I thank y'all. And these, I'll treasure this, and I'll treasure this day. And uh, thank you all for all the support that I've gotten all these years. Thank you. We are going to um, be taking up during this next hymn the uh, Heck Jones offering we've been promoting this month. And I know from a personal experience, I am very thankful for the dedicated women that serve in our churches. I was taught by a lot of dedicated women in the Mission Friends and in Sunday School. And uh, I just appreciate um, the women that God calls uh, to serve the church, and this church especially. But today's offering, the Heck Jones offering, does go uh, directly to the uh, WMU and its uh, operations and its missions. So uh, please, please know that as you give this morning. There will be some of our uh, uh, mission friends and students who will be standing up front with baskets during this next hymn. So you uh, can come and, and put your offerings in those baskets during that time. And that hymn is number 16, Oh, Worship the King. Number 16, let's stand as we sing, please.
I don't, I, me and Tommy didn't talk this morning. Uh, he shared a, a baseball um, talking about even the Dodgers um, back in the 80s. And this was in the 80s when I was um, seven years old, I guess, 1988. Uh, I, I want to share with you a very special day that happened to me on May the 5th. 1988. And the reason I know that is because I wrote that on this ball. And there is a score on this ball. It says Dodgers 13, Phillies 9. Now that's not Major League, okay? That's Little League. Um, but I had, I had the, uh, the pleasure of playing baseball for the Dodgers. And it might have even been Minor League at 7 or 8 years old. But that day for me was extremely special. And that's why I kept this ball. They gave it to me. I was, uh, Lee Glenn would probably tell you that I probably played for the Phillies that day, but I played for the Dodgers that day, and we won. And, and, and in that victory, we had several players get hurt. And I was one of the last pitchers we had left. And I was tired. And I didn't want to be playing anymore. But the coach said, you've got to go finish this. And we were, we were actually behind uh, at the time that I went in to pitch. And I'm just going to tell you, I knew I wasn't the greatest pitcher in the world. And after we got finished and won that game, you know what I thought? Boy, I thought I was something. My chest got bowed out. I thought I was the best pitcher in the world. And we got back to the dugout, and everybody's like, great job, Wesley. And the coach gets us in the dugout, and he says, boys, we just experienced a miracle. <laughs> You know what happened to all that pride and all that uh, puffiness inside of me? It said, it was gone. I was like, Coach, are you serious? We won that game because I played good. (laughs) No, we won that game because everybody played good. But he he was kind of picking too. But, you know, for a brief moment, I really thought I'd done something. You know, there's a word that's called pride. And actually, pride is considered one of the the seven deadly sins, and it seems very small. Do you know what it means to have pride? You know know what it means to have pride? It means to really think a lot of um, what you do. Now, I think there are certain things as positive pride. I think we can have a lot of pride in our church. We can have pride in our country. We can have pride in our family name. But when we really begin to think that we have done anything great and we put ourselves even above God, the one who created us, then that's where pride takes over. I think that's what what it means to be prideful, is to think that you are the absolute best. Nothing, no one else is any better than you. And that you are the best because of what you have created. Because you worked the hardest. Because you studied the hardest. Because you did it. You keep hearing that word, you, you, you. You know, it could also use I, I, I. But it's when we really think more of ourselves than we should. And the Bible tells us, in, in many verses to warn against pride. Um, I'm going to read you 
One of the, one of the most that you hear is from Proverbs. And in Proverbs it says, pride goes before destruction. Um, you know, the wisdom of the book of Proverbs tells us that if we begin to develop pride, that we will fall, that we will be destroyed. If we begin to think that, that we can do things without God. And see, and I think that's where Paul in the book of Galatians, says to the church at Galatia, he says, God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's a very important person in the Bible and, and, and in our Christian life because he basically wrote the majority of the New Testament that we have today. Planted tons of churches, but even he would tell you that he can do nothing without Jesus. So just know that we may be good at a lot of things, but the only thing that makes us good is Jesus. And we have to keep that focus. Because if we ever begin to believe that we can do things without Him, we'll fail and we'll be destroyed. All right? Let's pray. God, we thank You for the reminder that You give us in Scripture and the warning that we don't need to think more of ourselves than we should, but we need to recognize and realize that it is you, God. It is you who gives us the power and the ability to do anything in life. And may that be our story to everyone we see. We thank you so much for Jesus, and we pray these things in his name. Amen. In Psalm 145, it says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. We're going to be singing about that. Turn to in hymn number 12, please, as we sing, Great is the Lord and he is holy and just. By his power we trust in his love. Let's stand as we sing. Number 12. <clears throat>
This is a very happy day, but I need to share with you something Susan shared in our Sunday school class, because one of her dearest friends, Kay Taylor, some of you may know about this, her daughter Jenny, who grew up in our church, both of her in-laws were killed over the weekend, maybe yesterday, in a terrible accident involving their motor home. And so we want to remember Jenny Taylor, her husband Boyce, it was his parents, um, as we pray. Our Father, you are great, and you are worthy of worship. And you love us, O Lord. And Father, how you've blessed us. Father, we thank you for the physical blessings, the, the very health that enables us to be here today. We thank you for that, O oh Father. We thank you for our families and for our friends and for our church and for the way you provide. We're thankful that in this horrible weather, we had what we needed. Thank you for keeping us safe. Father, we thank you for the spiritual gifts, for salvation in Christ, for forgiveness of sin, for hope, O oh Father. We thank you, Father, for the love that you give us that we can share with others. And, Father, today we're thankful for Susan Guffey and for her family and for her witness here. For, Father, she has served you well, and she has helped all of us, and she has helped our church. And we thank you for that blessing, O oh Father. And we pray for her family. We pray for Mitch and for Josh and his family and for Heidi and the family. We pray for her sister, Heather, and for her sister-in-law, Penny, O oh Father, who so recently lost her husband. We know this family's been through a lot, and we just pray that you continue to comfort them and hold, hold them up, O oh Father. Father, in that vein, we do pray for the Knox family. Father, when tragic accidents come, there are no answers, but we know, Father, that you walk with us hour by hour and moment by moment. And we claim that promise for them. We pray for all who grieve. We pray for those in our congregation who are aging and who just are not well. And we thank you, Father, that you have led us as a church to reach out to those and help us to do more, O oh Father. We pray for those who are sick and those who are troubled, those whose hearts are heavy for the stress of life and the effects on their lives. We thank you that you are a God of love and that you are in every situation working for good for all of us. Father, we do pray for our church. We pray for wisdom, O oh Father. We pray for love. We pray for forgiveness. Father, help us in all that we do to glorify Christ. In thy name we pray. Amen.
here's my opportunity to say something about Susan. <laughs> no, I'm Susan, I'm going to miss you um, answering the phone every time I seem to call up here for something. Whatever reason it is, it's, it's, it's always a joy to talk to you. You're always laughing and kind of the joke going on. I said, what are you doing? You know, well, I'm eating bonbons with my feet up. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> you know, so uh, I'm truly going to miss that. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you for the opportunity to come together in your house and freely worship you. Our church has been so blessed to have a wonderful person serve as our church secretary for 34 years, and for that we are truly thankful. We come now to a time of our offering, and I, I pray that we all recognize that everything we have comes from you. I pray that, bless, that you bless everything that is given this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.
to say that <clears throat> as I look out on the congregation, this is a special day. And uh, I see my good friend Buddy Corbin out there and his wife and Charlton Bazard over here on the right. It's old home week down here. <laughs> That's great. Good, good to have you folks with us. And uh, <clears throat> I want to say, too, that a, a thank you to Susan. I know <clears throat> when I came here about, I guess, 16 months ago, she must have gotten tired of my asking questions about everything. You know, how do you do this? How does that happen? What does that go? Where's that is? You know, everything. <laughs> and she always answered every question with courtesy and patience and, uh, and uh, just had that great disposition that uh, Jamie talked about. And uh, she's been a great blessing to this church and a great blessing to me. And uh, I know... She just, the last three months, she just can't get this smile off her face. It's just, it's kind of, kind of weird, really, you know. <laughs> but uh, we rejoice with that. And just to let you know, all this great music today, triumphant music, uh, was picked by Susan. So I didn't want, you maybe not do that. <clears throat> Got a kind of long portion of scripture to read. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. This is kind of a, a long story, but a very instructive story. And um, Wesley was talking in the children's sermon about pride. We can't get close to God unless we're humble people. There's no way. We've got to humble ourselves before the Holy God. And there's a great lesson in this scripture that I think applies to myself, all of us here. A great challenge. And uh, I want to read from 2 Kings beginning in chapter, one, chapter 5, verse 1 through 14. <clears throat> Follow along if you will carefully because this story is, tells the whole thing I'm trying to share this morning. Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now the Armenians had gone out in bands and taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And it came about when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me of a cure of a man with his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. 
And it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. Then he sent word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Nathan came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. And Elisha said, sent a messenger to him. Elisha didn't come out himself. He sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not the Arbana and Farfar rivers in Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not, could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped, him, and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. You read the story that Naaman, this great man, was the commander-in-chief of the armies of Damascus, high in the favor of the king's court. His reputation was on every tongue. But as also the scripture says, he was a leper. And the story tells us that the Syrians had carried away a little Jewish girl on one of their raids. And this little girl waited on Naaman's wife, so the little girl knew the situation with Naaman. And once more, a major role is played by a minor biblical character. She shared her faith in God. She did not return evil for evil. She had been captured. She was a hostage. She had been taken away from her home. But she did not return evil for evil. She said, oh, I know a prophet. I know a prophet. Elisha, if... My master Naaman knew he could call on the God of Israel through the prophet Elisha. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman comes to the prophet's humble home with a cavalcade of attendants, gifts worth more money than the prophet had ever seen in his life. Perhaps Naaman thinks he can buy his healing. There are many things money can do, my friends, but there's a lot of things money can't do. And how does Elisha receive the great commander-in-chief? It would seem discourteous if there was not some reason for it. He seems reserved. He seems unsympathetic. He doesn't even go out himself. He stays in the house and sends out a messenger. And the messenger tells him something very strange, it seems to him. But simple. Go wash in the Jordan seven times, Naaman, and you'll be healed of your leprosy. Elisha seems to keep him at arm's length. The message is what comes out. 
There's a lesson here, my friend. God's cure for body and soul puts the messenger in the background and God and the message itself in the foreground. Elisha desires to conceal himself and make God's cure prominent, not him. His point is not to impress Naaman with who he is, but with who God is. And my friends, the more we keep in the background, the less the hearer depends on us and the more he depends on God. And we need to hear that word in a religious world where we have, in many circles, high-profile preachers and types that seem to make more of themselves than they do God. I remember growing up in Charlotte, and my pastor all my life was Dr. Claude Broach at St. John's Baptist Church. He was there at the church over 30 years, the only preacher I ever knew, only pastor. And when I felt the call to ministry, he became my mentor. I remember sitting down talking to him with many things because I was scared to death. <laughs> but he told me, he said, Jim, and I've, I've remembered it through all these years, he said, Jim, when you go out and minister, just remember one thing, let one thing be in the back of your mind. And I said, what's that? He said this, hide behind the cross. Hide behind the cross. Let Jesus be out front, not you. Hide behind the cross. So Elisha stays very much in the background. He doesn't come out. He sends out a messenger. Naaman hadn't even seen his face. Naaman doesn't like it. Naaman was a heathen. He wanted something sensuous like a priest waving a wand, a magic worker, a prophet to come out and make much to do with him with signs and incantations and potions, something his superstitious mind could lay hold of. Sometimes that might be characteristic of what we would like the gospel to be for the leprosy of sin. We want our experience to be surrounded by great experiences and signs and wonders and supernatural things. And God speaks through his spirit and tells us simple things to do. Simple things to do. What was the problem with Naaman? His pride had been wounded. <laughs> I'm a great man, a great military leader. I haven't been received with the proper deference for my office. He does not pay attention to my rank. My friends, if we feel that people must pay attention to our rank, then we may begin to feel that people less than us can be treated with less respect. Naaman wished to be treated like a great man that happened to be a leper. Elisha treated him like a leper that happened to be a great man. <laughs> and the whole question in this story was, what was the most important thing to Naaman? Was it his disease or his dignity? He thought of his dignity. The prophet thought of his disease. Yes, Naaman's pride had been hurt. Washing that foreign river, that muddy river, that 
small little stream that Jordan where there are better rivers in Damascus. I got a better plan. I can go to the Abana River, the Fafa River in, in, in Syria, and they're more beautiful. But washing that muddy foreign river, that's beneath my dignity. God has a cure for the disease of sin like Elisha's cure for Naaman's leprosy. And God wants nothing from you than just to take it. And Naaman was about to walk away. Naaman was about to forget it, get in his fancy chariot with all of his money and his gifts and ride away in anger. And who says today, one of his servants, and his servant says, my father, if the prophet had asked you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? Why can't you do the simple thing? Sometimes we would do, people would do great things for God. They would do great feats. They would build cathedrals. They would endow churches. They would be marked by great obedience and righteousness. But sometimes they fail to do the simple thing, the core thing, the humbling message. Just go wash. Just, just go wash in the muddy Jordan. You see, my friends, the modern mind rebels against the gospel. But there's something too narrow, too simple, too provincial for this repeated assertion that a man can find help or healing nowhere else except in what the gospel calls the cross. In repentance and trust and faith, just dip in the old Jordan. That's it. But that is too simple. We are too modern, too sophisticated, too cosmopolitan, too astute for that. And God's prophets tell us that we can never be healed of the leprosy of sin without trusting Christ and what he did on the cross and being in the church reading the scripture, prayer, but the main thing is trust in Christ and thrusting ourselves on that. That's it. But for so many, that's too old-fashioned, simple, outdated, narrow. Pride stops many a modern Naaman from surrendering to the claims of Jesus to admit that it's not our good works, it's not our righteousness, it's not our station in life. All those things the Scripture says are like filthy rags. But sometimes pride will not allow some people to say that. It just won't. Oh, my dear friend, I don't know who you are today, but can you do the simple thing? Can you do the one thing? Can you do the only thing? And come to the foot of the cross. Dear brother, there's nothing that you can do. You cannot earn it. You cannot achieve it. You cannot work for it. It is a hard pill for pride to swallow. We are indebted to absolute mercy and grace. Nothing in my hand I bring only to thy cross I cling. 
Because you see, my friend, the longing of this world is to be healed. It is a sin-sick world. The human race is sick at heart. A sense of unworthiness and lostness and purposelessness. One of my favorite songs is that great song, People Need the Lord. Oh, they do. And when it comes to the washing of the soul and new joy and forgiveness and peace, there's no substitute for the old river Jordan. There's just no substitute. That's it. Some things change, but some things never do. There are elements of the gospel that we realize just never change. Worship styles change. The way we communicate it changes, but it is the same. If you would come to the Lord, you must come on his terms, not yours. And no matter what our rank in life, we have the same heart needs, the same wants, the same sorrows. The necessity for cleansing is the same beneath the queen's robes and the peasant's rags. People in Cuba, people in Haiti, people in North Korea, people in China, people in Europe, people in South America. If you cut down to the heart, we're all the same. We're all the same. Elisha would treat Naaman like anyone else because he was like anyone else in the needs of the heart. There was no difference. It made no difference, his station in life. He still had the same needs. Be we wise or foolish, learned or ignorant, rich or poor, high or low, our need for God is the same. For some, my friends, they are willing to go to heaven, but they don't want to go in a common caravan. They're quite willing to be healed, but they want it done with proper deference. But when you come to the Lord, he will never send you away unless you are so full of yourself, there's no room for him. <laughs> we must come to him as a child. That's what the scripture says. The portals to the kingdom are narrow. Naaman almost missed a great blessing because he felt he was too great to humble himself. But I remember when I came to the Lord Jesus Christ when I was 19 years old. I'd never asked God into my life. I'd just gone to church. But when I suddenly felt in my heart that I'd never asked Jesus to come into my life. When I really saw my sin and I asked him to do that, you know what happened? He did. And changed the course of my life. There's only one way that that happens. With a humble heart. Let's bow together. Father, give us grace to understand the importance of true humility. A true spirit of unworthiness, even being a Christian and enjoying your grace and forgiveness. A sense, Lord, that we are one beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. We're all in the same boat. But how we start on the journey of faith is when we realize how lost we are, how undone we are, 
and how great you are and how great your grace is, and we call out for mercy. That's the only way to start the Christian life. Bless us as we extend our invitation. These saints we ask in thy name. Amen. Our invitation hymn is number 323. Come ye sinners, poor and needy. 323. Let's stand, please. This will also serve as our blessing. So I think when you get over there, you can just start in the line. I hope you all will stay. It will be a very special occasion. Let's bow together. Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day, for the beautiful occasion of Susan's retirement. We're thankful for all the many wonderful things she did while secretary at this church. We pray your blessings upon her and her family. We're thankful, Lord, that we can serve you day by day. The work that you have here in this place will continue, and we pray that we can be an important part of it. Bless this great meal that we're about to enjoy. We're so thankful, Lord, for the blessings that we have. All these things we ask in thy name. Amen. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. 
located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.